0: This is Hubwonk. I'm Joe Solvaji. Welcome to Hubwonk, a podcast of Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston. With the benefit of hindsight, what should the nations of the world have done to minimize the deadly impact of COVID-19? While there is no opportunity to rerun history, the policy choices of other countries and their respective public health outcomes closely approximates a natural experiment that should provide some evidence. While most European nations followed China and Italy's lead of imposing comprehensive extended lockdowns, Sweden, by contrast, chose a different path. Faced with the responsibility of optimizing public safety, Sweden chose to employ a pandemic plan developed over decades by the World Health Organization, which emphasized protecting the most vulnerable while keeping society as a whole up and running. While social distancing was encouraged and large gatherings limited, the choice to live as one pleased was left to its citizens. This resistance to mandates and faith in individuals earned Sweden's global scorn from international leadership voices that characterized it as a pariah state, one which should serve as the world's cautionary tale and which would likely result in a human disaster. But now in late 2023, with the benefit of more than three and a half years of pandemic data, policymakers can examine whether their predictions and policy choices resulted in the real-world outcomes they predicted. How did Sweden's COVID-19 mortality rate compare with their peer nations and the US? And what should policymakers learn from this global experiment to better prepare the countries of the world for future pandemics? My guest today is Johan Norbert, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and a writer who focuses on globalization, human progress, and intellectual history. He's the author and editor of more than 20 books, his two most recent being named by The Economist newspaper as Book of the Year in 2016 and 2020. Mr. Norberg has written a policy analysis for Cato entitled Sweden During the Pandemic, Pariah or Paragon, in which he compares the COVID-19 policies employed by his native Sweden with those of other Western countries, examining the relative outcomes for both COVID and overall excess deaths during the pandemic. He will share with us why and how Sweden chose a different policy path, what outcomes were observed relative to its global peers, and what lessons future political leaders can learn from this deadly and difficult global experience. When I return, I'll be joined by senior fellow and writer, Johan Norberg. Okay, we're back. This is Hubwonk. I'm Joe Salvaji and I'm now pleased to be joined by author and editor of more than 30 books and also the recent policy analysis piece entitled Sweden During the Pandemic, Pariah or Paragon, Johan Norberg. Thank you for joining me on Hubwonk, Johan. Thanks for the invitation. Well, uh, before we dive into uh, your fascinating piece talking about uh, Sweden's uh, success or lack of success uh, in um, during the pandemic with its policies, Uh, We all had a life before uh, COVID. What were you doing uh, just before, let's say, February, March 2020? Uh, Tell us about yourself.
1: Well, actually, I was... Professionally doing quite similar things to what uh, I'm I'm doing now, Uh, writing my books, doing my lectures and uh, doing documentary films for American public television. But of course that entailed lots of traveling around the world, lots of travel. Uh, And that suddenly ended. I remember I must have been one of the last Europeans to enter. Uh, America before the lockdowns, because uh, the first thing that happened was I came to my hotel room, watched Donald Trump, uh, president at the time, on CNN saying that we don't want any more Europeans here, so we're now shutting down all air traffic to Europe. Uh, so it <laughs> took me some time
0: to get back, actually. What, oh, well, yeah, so you you experienced the uh, the excitement, if you will, uh, firsthand. So now we're more than three and a half years past uh, that uh, fateful time, and. Uh, Uh, What what puzzles me about uh, COVID and our policies is that um, with the wisdom of hindsight, we we tell ourselves that should be 2020, but I think uh, there are a lot of people who explain uh, policies in two ways. One is we had to do it in real time. We had to make policies in real time without knowing what was coming and knowing how bad the virus is. So we have that sort of um, analysis, but then we also have the analysis of saying with the wisdom of hindsight, what should we have done better in the past? So I, I wanna separate those two things saying, okay, we didn't know everything at the time, but we certainly know more now, uh, but let's start at the beginning. Um, Sweden had to, uh, you, you mentioned Donald Trump and in, in imposing uh, restrictions here in, in the United States. What was Sweden's culture? What institutions uh, did Sweden have to help mitigate or reduce the effect of uh, of COVID? Yes, Sweden
1: was an outlier when it came to the response uh, because Sweden tried to uh, mitigate, uh, tried to flatten the curve, tried to make sure that people socially distanced, but tried to do it in a voluntary way, based mostly on recommendations while keeping society at large open, as open as possible, so workplaces, public transportation, schools, restaurants, hairdressers, and so on, was open in Sweden. At the same time, authorities said that if it's possible for you to work from home, if it's possible for you to avoid public transportation, if it's possible to avoid meeting elder relatives, do it, because now's the time to um, to worry. But that all... So there was social distancing going on, but it, it left some room for local knowledge, individual needs, and uh, especially then the economy and education was uh, left open.
0: Well, so what uh, the rest of the world characterized Sweden as being sort of, as you say, an outlier, but uh, characterize it more as being somewhat reckless or irresponsible and essentially letting uh, Covid uh, have its way. You mentioned in your paper that it wasn't so much that you saw Sweden as an outlier as far as radical, taking a radically different approach, but rather one that was more recommended prior to the the pandemic by uh, uh, organizations such as the World Health Organization. Uh, Share with our listeners, did Sweden see itself as rebels or sort of conforming to the sort of the recommendations of the past?
1: yeah that's a good question because in in sweden when we listen to the public health authorities and, and international ones like the world health organizations they said that in times of a pandemic we'll try to keep normal life as normal as possible so that we don't wreck more things we try to make sure that we get as little transmission of the disease of the virus as possible but we shouldn't unnecessarily hurt the economy, schools, and 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 things like that. So in Sweden, we had the sense that the rest of the world was engaging in a in kind of a reckless experiment and an unprecedented experiment at the time, because no one had ever tried to shut down societies to the extent
0: that uh, happened during the pandemic. So you, you know, Sweden and its policymakers said we are we're finally following, following the prudential course that has been recommended by the world. Health organization. Everybody else is taking a somewhat more radical approach. You, you mentioned um, several times in your piece um, that the that Sweden state epidemiologist Anders Teg- Tegnell or Tegnell, um, uh, his quotation, and you mentioned uh, being uh, borders being closed down. Uh, his quotation you you cite is uh, closed down, lockdown, closing borders. Nothing has a, a historical scientific basis in my view. We have looked at a number of European Union countries to see whether they had published any analysis of the efforts of these measures before they were started, and we saw almost none. In other words, they looked for evidence that, say, border closings were effective and saw no evidence whatsoever and therefore didn't do it.
1: Yes, quite right. And when researchers looked at what other places did and the lockdowns that took place after First China and then Italy started to lock down societies was, and tried to find a correlation. Did they do that because of the state of transmission in their society or the capacity of the healthcare system or anything like that? They couldn't find a correlation with anything except one thing. What did the neighbors do? What did neighboring countries do? So it seemed like this was a a panic reaction. It seemed like countries just uh, climbed onto the bandwagon wagon and did what the others did. And I think this is for a very sort of natural human uh, psychological reasons because if you do what everybody else does and you end up in a disaster, you can say that, yeah, we did what everybody did. We, there was no alternative. While if you are the odd man out like Sweden was and it were to have resulted in a disaster then everybody will point their fingers at you and said that you made this happen and that's why even though in sweden we thought that we were the one country that didn't throw out the manual and began to experiment with the response it was difficult because the rest of the world were looking at us and saying that this is crazy this is reckless this is uh, a way of sacrificing human lives and it's difficult to um for a person like Anders Tegnell to stand up to that and keep on arguing for the, the traditional way of responding.
0: Well, I think you point to an important point. You, you mentioned two things. One is to essentially follow the crowd. It's better to follow the crowd uh, than be an outlier. Uh, again, you can always point to your neighbor and say, I did what they did. And, uh, you know, what our mothers used to say, if everyone jumped off a bridge, would you do it too? Uh, essentially, countries effectively did that. Uh, is, again, you're the expert in sort of Swedish policy. Is, is that what, you know, if you're to generalize, Uh, The political pressure or the sort of uh, risk aversion, is is that what motivated other countries, as you see, to to go by a completely different playbook?
1: I think so, because many countries were resistant or public health authorities were resistant or some politicians were resistant uh, to lockdowns originally. But then when this pressure built up and country after country entered a lockdown, it was incredibly difficult to... uh, keep on and um arguing that look we need a scientific basis to to do things like this sweden was one reason why sweden was different was that we have a, a, a traditionally government authorities and agencies that are fairly independent i mean they are um the, the, their director general their bosses they're appointed by governments but then they have a set mandate and they're not replaced the moment the government is is replaced which means that they have traditionally had some sort of independent role of course they can be sacked but that rarely happens and this independent role meant that and and, and if i'm now trying to psychologize as well why you could stick to to its guns when the swedish public health authority said that look border closures lockdowns shutting down schools that's crazy that'll hurt us for, in the long run well then politicians could feel safe and think that yeah we'll do what we traditionally do we'll listen to the advice from the experts and the uh the expert agencies and the, because if that would have turned out to be a disaster they could have blamed them rather than thinking that uh them being blamed themselves so perhaps there was some some of that in in Sweden too.
0: Well, I applaud the uh, the courage. Uh, I'm going to now quote another person from uh, your your Prime Minister uh, is it Lofven, uh, Stefan Lofven. Uh, he sounds like he's channeling a James Madison here, a, a, you know, a hero of our show. Uh, I'll quote: "We will never be able to legislate about everything. We will never be able to ban all harmful behavior. Now it is actually a matter, more a matter of common sense." there's an individual responsibility and, and every individual has to take responsibility responsibility for themselves for their fellow people and their country uh that is pretty courageous and uh something that uh, you know position i admire um but before we get too carried away there were some uh, restrictions imposed uh, share with our listeners who, who what what actually was mandated if anything oh yeah uh, for sure there were let me just say you didn't hear things like that, uh, what
1: Löfven said uh, at the time in many other places. And one interesting thing is that he's a social democrat. It was a social democratic government in Sweden at the time. And that tells you something about how Sweden is uh, kind of, of different uh, from, and, and Swedish social democrats are are different from from other kinds of, of uh, socialists. So, uh, yes, there were some restrictions in Sweden, Um it's, um, it banned the private visit- visits to elderly care homes to try to reduce the transmission in, in nursing homes. Bars and restaurants were open, but they were ordered to offer table service only. Uh, and the space between tables had to be increased, so you couldn't be standing and drinking in a pub like you used to. The, the most restrictive um, regulation in Sweden was that Public events were limited to no more than 50 participants in March 2020. Uh, So this includes public events, theaters, cinemas, uh, lectures, uh, concerts, sporting events, and, and things like that. Not workplaces, shopping centers, and private gatherings, but... But yet, still, it's a very restrictive one, and in November 2020, this limit was reduced to eight people. So life wasn't normal in in Sweden. Um, But apart from this, you know, workplaces, offices, factories, schools, public transportation, restaurants, bars were still open in Sweden. So it looked different from what it did in other places.
0: So our, our podcast has uh, acknowledged that some uh, some restrictions are, of course, appropriate. We discuss often the risk stratification. That is, that COVID was a very uh, special disease insofar as it was virtually harmless to young people and very, very deadly to uh, much older people. Did, um, did Sweden use that sort of knowledge to target uh, and protect or isolate um, elderly homes and those people who are you know, statistically much more vulnerable than the general population?
1: Yes, this seems to have been one lesson that um, they they learned quickly, that uh, try to keep society open but protect the old, and those who have um, various forms of uh, conditions that made them particularly vulnerable, and this includes then uh, elderly care homes, nursing homes, and, and trying to protect them. Um, but it also means that uh, children weren't very susceptible to the disease, and they uh, didn't seem to, uh, with the data at the time, to spread the disease much. So let's not try to stop their events. Let's make sure that they keep on going to to school as usual. Uh, and now afterwards, when we look at uh, what's, uh, what's happened, I, I think everyone in Sweden and, and around the world are quite happy about this decision to keep schools open. Uh, On the other hand, it seems like we didn't succeed to protect elderly care homes as much as we would have wanted. And one reason is that we got the transmission, we got the virus so early that uh, we didn't really know what was going on. Even before any country started to think about um, limiting visits to nursing homes or, or much less lockdowns
0: indeed you uh, you you got it uh, i think it was those uh, students who traveled to italy early uh, had the unfortunate uh, um result of of having bringing covid back to sweden very very early in the pandemic um i'm imagining a parallel universe where uh, uh someone like me or someone like you or someone like who leads sweden was leading the us or or massachusetts uh, and saying look let's leave it to the people to decide how they impose their own restrictions you must have had critics. I imagine in that parallel universe, I would have had critics and said, "You know, are you indifferent to the suffering? Are you indifferent to the death? You know, how uh, you know certainly in Sweden, somebody was saying, "Let's lock the place down." what what did that happen?
1: Oh, yes, we had a very fierce debate, and uh, lots of people and newspapers uh, argued for more lockdowns in in Sweden as well. Um, because it it is a difficult argument to make. Always when there is a crisis, you always have this tendency to say, let's focus all, devote all our resources and everything we can at this one problem. But then cooler minds um, prevailed when they said, yeah, but if we do that, there's always a cost-benefit analysis that has to be made. If we do that, we'll wreck other things in other places and we'll hurt workers, we will hurt uh, families, we will hurt school children and, and so on. So perhaps we can make sure that we have this social distancing voluntary, uh, voluntarily. Um, and so there was a debate about this, but you can see in polls that this Swedish strategy was quite popular throughout. So somewhere between 50 and 60 percent supported the policy throughout. Uh, While no more than around 20% said that they wanted more uh, lockdowns on Swedish society. And you could also see that when it comes to uh, the politicians, to the political parties. No one saw the possibility of, of gaining votes by being of the pro-lockdown party. We had a right-wing populist party in Sweden who argued for school, school closures and for sacking Anders Tegnell, who was sort of the figure uh, the head of, of, of the policy. But even they began to sort of climb down when they saw that Swedes in general were in favor of this
0: openness. It, it's again, this parallel universe where the right seemed to embrace lockdowns and the left improved, uh, you know, um, embraced a more libertarian approach. <laughs> To, to the to the whole thing. So I don't want to bury the lead. I'm sure our listeners are are, are if they're not already a um, uh, apprised of the uh, the results. Let's not uh, let's not linger on it. You mentioned early on uh, Sweden had some difficulty and and spikes in deaths and and a sense uh, could have been perceived as an indictment of its of its more uh, liberal strategy to uh, to lockdowns. But let's let's talk about how uh, the deaths in Sweden measure against those let's say, sister and brother countries that, that, that did lock down. What, what happened in Sweden? Yeah. Um,
1: well, it's always a, measure, a question of what's the peer group? How, how do you, what do you compare uh, yourself to? And uh, Sweden did much better, no matter how you count. COVID deaths did better than Southern Europe and Britain and the United States. But people keep on saying you should compare it to Norway, Denmark, Finland, countries that are close by and similar to you culturally and, and otherwise. And um, in that case, what you see is that and that, that they did better. Uh, you should, though, keep in mind that the, those Nordic countries had shorter lockdowns and uh, m- more moderate ones than most the European and, and American countries. Uh, but yes, when you count COVID deaths as such, it's, uh, we had some 40% higher uh, COVID death uh, rates than the Norway, Denmark, and Finland. However, it's important to uh, realize that sometimes countries measure and define COVID deaths in different ways. Some countries um, like Norway, for example, very similar country, uh, the doctor in in charge has to make the decision that yes, COVID killed this patient and then call it in. As such, in Sweden on the other hand, you just check the population register and if someone died who had a COVID diagnosis, that's counted as a covid death so some people were then um, added to the column um, because they died with covid rather than of covid and that's the reason why it's important to also then look at total excess deaths the number of deaths over the pandemic years compared to a previous period or a previous trend or Uh, or according to projections. And then what you see is is quite extraordinary when you look at crude death rates, just the number of people dying over the three COVID uh, years compared to the three previous years. Sweden had the lowest uh, excess death rates of of, of all European countries, uh, lower than um, Norway, Denmark, and Finland as well, and less than half of Americas.
0: I was going to get to that. So, so I, I do want to talk about excess deaths. But get, again, because on this podcast, we've addressed that, that there are trade-offs. There's no good choice. There's just a trade-offs. Um, and uh, you mentioned deaths uh, from uh, presumably excess deaths from mitigation strategies. But uh, let's just stick on the how many people died from COVID as a measure of percentage of population relative to the United States. Again, uh, a country that had fairly substantial and protracted lockdowns. How did Sweden's number with its liberal policies uh, compare with the United States? Yeah, well, even if you just
1: look at COVID-19 deaths and uh, the death rate or per million people uh, or so, uh, no matter how you define it, Sweden had a total of some 2,300 COVID deaths. um, And that's a a thousand fewer per million than uh, the United States. So did much better and, and this is extraordinary because you know New York Times at the time said that Sweden was the caution the world's cautionary example the pariah state Donald Trump said that Sweden is suffering greatly because of its decision not to lock down and now it ends up with Sweden having even COVID 19 deaths um, around a third fewer than the United States
0: So you alluded to your peers and I assume Nordic countries, we all have our sort of image of Sweden as being, you know, Vikings and healthy and uh, driving Volvos and going shopping at Ikea. Um, Is there something uh, that scientists have pointed to within Sweden that makes it, that would, you know, explain why would it have half the death rate that the United States, uh, is there something unique about Sweden and its health?
1: Yes. And when it comes to excess death rates over the three pandemic years, Sweden had less than half. Of the excess death rate uh, in the united states and uh, well i think there are some things to be said for that swedes are generally uh, a bit healthier we have less obesity diabetes and and, uh, some conditions like that um, which is actually one reason why sweden it would have been silly perhaps for sweden to to lock down with all the effects that entails as well. Uh, on the other hand, Sweden does not have a. Swedes do not have a much better uh, health than, now the the Dutch, the Belgians, and the um, the the Swiss and uh, other Europeans. And uh, so, it's not the only thing that's important in this comparison.
0: So we've. Um uh i I didn't want to postpone the concept of of um uh death excess deaths and you know for our listeners who aren't familiar with these concepts uh the the measure of excess death is sort of saying all deaths all reasons for death it could be you know falling out a window but you measure let's say expected statistical expected deaths based on a, a set of years three years perhaps and you say given all of the things keeping them um the same this is how many deaths we'd expect in the next three years when you compare the deaths of uh, during covid and you subtract out those deaths attributed to covid you subtract them out you still see substantial numbers of excess deaths in the united states we've talked about this on the show you didn't see that in sweden um so say more about why you speculate uh, let's say not having lockdowns would cause fewer excess deaths Yeah,
1: no, it is extraordinary. Less than half of America's and the average European excess death rate in in Sweden. And let me just be clear, you can adjust these numbers in different ways according to age structure, depending on which years you compare them to. And according to some of these methods, uh, Denmark beat Sweden to, to first place in some, Norway beat Sweden as well. Uh, But we're far below Finland and far below the European average and the um, the American death uh, excess death rate. So something is definitely going on, and that suggests to me that Swedes did adapt to the pandemic, uh, try to uh, reduce. uh, social, try to increase social distancing and try to avoid spreading the virus, but in a voluntary way, which always left everybody with this exit door. You have the possibility of meeting people. You have to meet. Go to the job you have to do, and in, an, uh, in a bizarre, ironic uh, twist, perhaps that made it possible for us to be careful in a longer, over a longer period than others who faced this very harsh lockdown which you couldn't be sustained for a very long time and then you just sort of go crazy and go out and party instead um but there are other reasons of course that could explain why sweden has a lower total nexus death rates and and this will keep researchers busy for a long time there's lots of data to, to look for but it seems like sweden has been doing much better than other other countries when you look at things like suicide mental illness domestic abuse violence um, different con, uh, different um problems that might be related to living under uh, a much more stress being uh, forced into house arrest with with someone um you have problems living with and and and, uh, and with all the loneliness all the um harsh conditions that people went through during lockdowns. That takes a heavy toll on people.
0: Now, the world called you a, a pariah state. Sweden is, you know, is reckless pariah state. Uh, now the dust has settled, and it seems that, at the very least, you're uh, middle or lower of the pack of COVID deaths and certainly all excess deaths, much Further down on the on the list. You, you did actually extraordinarily well. Have has the let's say global press or a global public policy universe come back and said, you know what, Sweden may be onto something. Uh, maybe we should follow their lead next to pandemic. Has, has anybody come out and effectively apologize for, for the critique of Sweden's policy?
1: That would be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's it's a it's very peculiar because you know according to media analysts the world's media has never before reported as much about sweden as it did in 2020 and there was uh, almost a consensus that sweden was uh, heading for disaster Um, and then suddenly they all went quiet there has been remarkably little follow-up on what what really happened in sweden afterwards and that to me, it says that people have a um, sort of they have a dog in the fight. They sort of they don't want to revisit their predictions, um, and but that is very concerning to me because I mean it's okay to make mistakes. We all make mistakes, uh, and that's how we make progress in the future. If we learn from those mistakes, if we look at the data and we try to realize why uh, we we made the wrong turn then we'll go somewhere else in the future. But when things have been so politicized as this whole response to the pandemic has been, few people want to revisit it and look at why um, why they were wrong. and I think that's deeply deeply problematic but because it suggests that if you're if you're that intellectually arrogant you will keep on making mistakes.
0: Indeed, doomed to repeat uh, the future. So we're getting close to our time, the end of our time together. I want to read from uh, nearly the last paragraph of your piece and encourage others to read it. It's it's, uh, Cato Institute's Policy Analysis, Sweden during the pandemic. Pariah or Paragon, this final uh, or next to final uh, paragraph really stood out for me. I'll quote you, I'll say, it seems likely that Sweden did much better than other countries in terms of the economy, education, mental health, and domestic abuse, and still came away from the pandemic with fewer excess deaths than in almost any other European country and less than half that of the United States, the country where both the president and majority newspapers repeatedly used Sweden as a cautionary tale. The conclusion is uncomfortable for other governments. It was not Sweden that engaged in a reckless, unprecedented pandemic experiment, but the rest of the world. This experiment did not turn out well compared to the one country that did not throw out the manual. Millions of people were deprived of their freedoms without a discernible benefit to public health. Wow. I hope uh you know that makes everyone the hair on everyone's back of their head stand up because you are essentially a natural experiment for what would have happened if we trusted individuals to exercise caution in the way they saw fit? Uh, I'll give you the last word. I'd like to say, well, if you were king for a day or if you had, uh, you know, you had the podium and you could uh, give uh, some advice to the world about uh, how we might encounter the next uh, and deal with the next pandemic, what would you say?
1: Well, I think in, in that case, it follows great from what you just quoted. I think I wouldn't underestimate people uh, next time around. I wouldn't treat them like, children who had to be to be bossed around or even in some countries sort of surveilled with drones uh, 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 to make sure that they they follow the rules Um, because when you do you turn people into your enemies and you politicize issues and people will be angry and frustrated and they won't pay much attention to what you're saying in the future if you're honest with people give them the data and tell them recommend that they behave in a way that will reduce transmissions of viruses or uh, any kind of microorganism i think we can trust people to make the right decisions more often than not because they want to protect themselves and their loved ones and society and at least that's what the swedish um the swedish model suggests
0: and again as you say uh, the reward for politicians who have that courage in the long run was that uh, they are rewarded the ballot box their their confidence is, is 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 enhanced i think w- one of the casualties of this pandemic was the pu- the loss of trust in public institutions from political leaders of course uh but also our public health uh, institutions they're still recommending uh, suggested lockdowns uh, now going into another wave in, into the into uh uh, the winter. Um, do you see the death of uh, faith in public institutions uh, in Sweden or, or uh, you know, going forward, do you see that uh, this has enhanced their confidence in in, in uh, trusting people?
1: Well, I think this is really an argument for the Swedish way. Uh, Sweden is one of few countries where the public health authorities actually came out of the pandemic with greater trust than they had before the pandemic. And I think it's, I mean, this is um, almost a rhetorical question, but where do you think, in which country will people listen when they get the information, when they get the recommendations the next time around on how to behave to protect themselves and their loved ones? I think Swedes will, are going to listen because they were treated more like adults by the uh, authorities and by the government. While in places like America, they were not. I think there's so much hostility; it has been politicized to such a drastic extent that it might just be that uh, they've um, cut off um, the, the branch, the tree uh, that they that they depend on themselves.
0: Well, I, I appreciate you coming in and speaking uh, truth to uh, to history, to power, to everything. To, you know, you, you can um, you can believe. Uh, what you want but uh, I think ultimately Sweden demonstrated uh, with its policies um, a different way and ultimately with the wisdom of hindsight now that we have three and a half years of of hindsight uh, Sweden got it about right. So thank you very much Johan for joining me on the podcast today. You're a great asset for Hubwonk. I, I really appreciate your time and the work you do uh, uh, in your analysis. Thank you. Thank you very much. My pleasure. This has been another episode of Hubwonk. If you enjoyed today's show, there are several ways to support Hubwonk and Pioneer Institute. It would be easier for you and better for us if you subscribe to Hubwonk on your iTunes podcatcher. It would make it easier for others to find Hubwonk if you offer a five-star rating and a favorable review. We're grateful if you share Hubwonk with friends. If you have ideas or comments or suggestions for me about this or future episode topics, you're welcome to email me at hubwonk.com at pioneerinstitute.org. Please join me next week for a new episode of Hubwonk.